Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good evening. Hey, good. Good response. You guys are awake. Great. Hey, welcome to Cross Creek. It is good to see you. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're watching online, thank you so much for watching wherever you are, whenever you are. We're glad you're joining us. And really quick, uh, you might have missed it if you came in a little bit later, but if this is your, your if you're new here, we want to know that you're here. In fact, we want to give you a gift for being here. And so we have this card in the seat in front of you called if you can see it, it's, it's the welcome card, the red welcome card. You fill that out with some very basic information. Probably when I start like droning on, you're like, what is this guy talking about? You could fill out this card during the message tonight. Fill out some really easy information about yourself, and then after the service, go to what we call the information table. There's a table out in the lobby, and you give this card to, that, to the person at that table, and we'll give you a free gift. It's just kind of a way of saying, hey, thanks for being here. We, uh, we're glad to get to know you. So you are here on a very special evening. Not only is it really our first like real rainy day of the season, don't worry, it's going to hit like 90 in two weeks because, right, you get, you get summer and then false fall and then last summer and then real fall, right? It's kind of like hobbits meals and stuff. Okay, we'll get there, guys. Don't worry. I'm just warming up. But you're here on a very special day because we're starting a new series, a new teaching series called Better together. And as we're kind of talking through this series and, and what it's going to be about and what we're kind of talking about, I couldn't help but think about the fact that we didn't have a church service last week. Do you know why we didn't have a church service last week? Because over 40 of you were at Shirley Elementary School taking your own Sunday morning and going and helping beautify that school for the kids to have their first day, for the teachers to have their first day, a day where they could be proud of the school they're walking into. Maybe some people were nervous going to school for the first time, and they said, wow, what a beautiful campus. So we had over 40 people working there for three hours, which I did the math on a calculator. That's over 120 work hours at Shirley Elementary School. We put new bark dust in, we uh, power washed windows, we weeded, we put uh, new... Uh, uh, wood chips on the playground, so like when the kids who aren't so coordinated are learning to be coordinated and they fall, there's more padding for them, right? And uh, there's these portable buildings that, you know, you know, the portable buildings that schools usually have, right, that they kind of forget about because they're temporary. Well, theirs needed some paint. And so we power washed those down and we repainted them so they looked brand new. So the kids that are going to those classrooms, the teachers that are going to those classrooms are like, wow, this is something I can be proud of. You guys did an amazing job. You did way more than we did last year. It was amazing. And if all of us together, 120 work hours. Now, if I had just done that myself, that would have been three work hours, right? And an hour and a half of that would have been me complaining <laughs> that I was having to work. And 45 minutes, yeah. And so it was awesome. We were, we were as Cross Creek, as volunteers, better together. 
because we're better together. In fact, uh, ancient, this is something we all know that, you know, two are better than one. If, if you have a job to do, it's better to have somebody there to help you, right? It's not a new concept. It's, it's ancient, actually. In fact, one of the wise, some people consider uh, King Solomon, who was, if you heard of David and Goliath, well, David became king. He had a son named Solomon, and many people consider him to be the wisest man who ever lived. And he wrote some ancient literature that you find in the Jewish scripture. Here's what he said about being better together. He said, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We're better together. In fact, that's a, the idea, though ancient, I think it still resonates, especially if you, know, you kind of grew up in the United States and you did the history lessons and all of that. There's this pride of the United States that we are the United States, right? And we, we look back to what we call the greatest generation and how in World War II, the nation kind of came together and we all worked together to, to um, save the world, basically, bring freedom and, and fight fascism and all of that, and so we're better together there when, um, you know, tragedies happen that we see on the news happening way too often. What, what's, what's the thing that we always tell ourselves? Maybe we tell our kids, and I think I got it from Mr. Rogers. I don't know where other people got it, but when there's a tragedy, what do you look for? You look for the helpers, right? Every time there's a tragedy, a shooting or a natural disaster, there's always helpers that rush in because we know instinctively we're better together. And it's not just humans. I know you guys are thinking, yeah, but what about horses? Right? Yeah, don't leave the horses out. Draft horses, right? You guys are way into horses around here. I know that. Cool. Yeah, I know, I know a lot about you guys. So draft horses, right? Horses that, that work on the farm and, and pull things. A, a draft horse on their own, on average, could pull about 8,000 pounds. You're like, wow, that's a lot. And so you get two horses together, and you would think, wow, they would pull, you know, one's 8,000, two would be like 16,000, right? If you thought that, you'd be wrong. Don't be embarrassed. If you get two draft horses pulling together, they can pull 24,000 pounds together. Whoa. Horses are better together. You ever have that itch on your back that you just can't reach? At that moment, you realize, especially if you have a friend, like, hey, can you get this spot? And they get it right away. We're better together. Where would peanut butter be without bananas? I'm just kidding. Yeah, without jelly. Marionberry jelly. Where would Tuesdays be without tacos? Things are naturally better together. Even the most exciting sporting events, the best sports are team sports. Right? Who actually really enjoys watching track? Nobody. It's terrible. It's like, wow, you ran. Good. That's what we taught my three-year-old to do. Well done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I ran track. It's okay. I know I don't look like it, but this, the sports that make the most money in our culture are team sports because we like seeing people be better together, right? And so we, we know this. We've experienced it. That's not always what we see. And, and when, when you look at culture, we, don't, we often seem more divided than we are united. 
right? Who is like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait for the election cycle to really hit full steam. I can't wait for everybody to turn on each other during this election. Are you guys excited for, to watch everybody turn on you? Yeah, we're not. But it happens. We see it. We, we see things that divide us more than unite us, right? In fact, psychologists tell us that we are in the middle of a loneliness epidemic. There's an epidemic now of people feeling Lonely. We are the most technologically connected culture in the history of humankind, yet 50% of us feel isolated, feel like nobody understands us, feel like we have no one to go to, no one to talk to. And it's not just, you know, the world or, or culture or whatever. We see this in churches. We see this division in, in the church there's division within churches. There's division outside of churches. Like often churches, I think church, almost separated from their community. Right? We see the separation that often church has of like, well, no, they're, they're them and we're us. And, you know, we're trying to stay this way. And if we talk to them, then we might, you know, get crazy ideas. Often churches are known for what they're against and not what they're for. And what they're against, usually, the feeling is everyone else, right? We're for ourselves. We design things for ourselves. We spend money on ourselves. And we're kind of against everything else. In fact, we'll boycott that. We'll picket that. And what we're usually against is the other church down the street, which half of us used to go to, but was split because there's an argument about what color the carpet was going to be in the kids' church. Right? That's, it's, it's funny, but it's, it's true. It happens. Division among Christians is one of the top reasons people leave Christianity. Division is one of the top reasons people leave church. In fact, that might have been your experience. That might have been why it kind of took a, a friend to say, hey, check out Cross Creek. They're a little bit different. Yeah, but, you know, I, what I went through. Or maybe that's why you're watching online. You're like, I don't really want to, I, 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 like, I like Jesus. I like, I like hearing about him, but having to be around those people, there's always division. That's the main reason why people leave church is division. And so we, before we start looking around and blaming others, whether you follow Jesus or not, you know, before we start looking around and blaming others about this division we see in our country or in our, in our communities or in churches, we need to look at ourselves, right? It starts with us. Often, maybe not always, but often, most of the time, we feel divided, we feel isolated, we feel disconnected, because we have had a part in it. We have done something to add to that isolation. Why? Division is the result of choosing me over we. If there is a division, someone somewhere has chosen me over we. Someone has chosen what I want, what I think is important, my opinion, what I think I need over bringing together more me's and making a we. Think about it. We are able basically in this city, in this world, to have anything we want within two days. If you've got a credit card and an internet connection, you can have anything you want in two days. Thank you, Google or Amazon Prime. Right? Which is amazing. I'm not saying that's evil. I, I love it. I love getting stuff. I love buying stuff. But... It's so easy to, when we can get whatever we want in two days, it's so easy to focus on ourselves. 
It's so easy to become obsessed with our wants because, well, I want that. Okay, I'll order it. Okay, I want that. Okay, I'll buy it. Oh, we don't have money for it. Yeah, but we got the credit card for it, right? So easy to focus on ourselves and to separate ourselves from everyone else. In fact, C.S. Lewis, the great writer, the great thinker, in, in one of his books, he described hell as kind of a city, a sprawling city. And in this city, people could have whatever they wanted. Now, when they got it, they were never satisfied, which is kind of how life is, right? You want this so bad, then you get it, and then, well, that kind of wears off. You want something else, right? You want something else. You want something. He describes hell that way. And in the middle of the city, a whole lot of houses, a whole lot of buildings, but they're empty. And it keeps growing and growing because people who can get anything they want don't get along well. And so they keep moving away from neighbors, moving away from neighbors. So they have everything they want, but they're never satisfied and they're completely isolated. And that's how he described hell, as a complete isolation. It's actually a really, really vivid picture. And so we isolate ourselves in our own little worlds when we focus on me. Our own little worlds where, you know, we watch and we read things that only agree with what I believe. We read, we only talk to people who hold my opinions. And anything that doesn't hold my opinions is obviously evil and the enemy. So now it's us versus them. And we become more isolated and more miserable. But there is a solution. And it's really simple. It's really easy. But you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it at all. In fact, what I'm going to do for the next 30 minutes is try to convince you that this is a good idea. Okay, it's simple, but I have to convince, I had to convince myself, I still, as I'm talking to you, will be convincing myself that this is something we want to do, that we need to do. Now, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, and if you're like, hey, I'm here at church, somebody forced me to be here, a parent, a friend, you know, I'm making a friend happy, I'm watching a line because they're like, hey, you should watch this. I want you to know we designed this church and especially this time for you. This is a place where you can discover who God is, ask questions, have doubts. In fact, if there's questions that arise tonight, we have a card called the Connect card where you can write any question you have about anything I say on the back of that card and then after the service, you can put it in the uh, box at the info table and we'll get back to you this week, kind of continue that conversation. But whether you're a Jesus follower or not, what I'm going to tell you, the solution to the division that I'm going to talk about might sound, you know, kind of sweet, a little cutesy, you know, maybe a little hippie-ish, like, oh, you know, it's legal now, so you've been partaking. But if you dig a little bit deeper into what I'm saying, a little beneath the surface, what we're going to talk about is actually pretty offensive, and I think especially if you call yourself a church person, like you grew up in church, and you're like, yeah, I am, you know, I, I love church, I'm a church, I think you're going to be offended. But as we go through this, remember this, the medicine we often need the most usually tastes the worst, right? The medicine we usually need the most often tastes the worst. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're here just kind of hanging out and checking things out, I have to tell you, you are safe tonight, you might be offended, and that's, that's okay. You know, in this culture, we're used to being offended. But if you're not a Jesus follower, you're like, you know, I'm checking things out. Nothing I say tonight is something you have to do. Nothing I say is something you're expected to do. In fact, anything written in the Bible, you're not expected to do. You're off the hook. You just get to listen and be like, I think that's a good idea. Oh, he might be off. That's okay. Now, if you are a Jesus, if you call yourself a Jesus follower, well, you're on the hook. And we'll get there. 
If you're not a Jesus follower, what I'm going to talk about tonight will actually still work. I think it will still give you a better life. And so there's, there's something to listen to. But this answer we're talking about is actually found in an ancient writing. In actually two small sentences written by the Apostle Paul in what we call the Book of Romans. It's actually a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to ancient Jesus followers in the city of Rome. The Book of Romans is considered Paul's masterpiece. It's actually considered you know, one of the ancient literature masterpieces. In this book, and it will be in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, everything's going to be on the screen for you. But like I said, this book, we call it a book, it's actually a letter, was written to Romans, Roman Christians, around A.D. 57. Right, so that's basically 20 years after Jesus lived, died, and resurrected. I mean, can you remember 20 years ago what you were doing? Some of you can, some of you are like, well, I wasn't alive yet. Some of you are like, that was like yesterday. So we're just talking about 20 years after Jesus. Uh, Emperor Nero, maybe you've heard of Emperor Nero. Yeah, well, he's 19 at this time, so he's not super crazy yet. He's going to get crazy. He hasn't started killing all the Christians yet. And the church, these new Christians in Rome, are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. Right? They heard of his death and his resurrection. They've seen the love of the church, but they don't really know what that means to follow Jesus. Jesus, what is this thing that I signed up for? See, there was no the Bible to tell them how to do this stuff. They just had each other. And now they would have a letter from the Apostle Paul saying, here's what it means to be a Jesus follower. In this letter to the Romans, he lays out what Jesus' death and resurrection actually does, how it actually changes everything for all of humanity. And in the section we're going to read tonight, he's describing really what day-to-day life of following Jesus should look like. Okay, now you're a Jesus follower, you're part of the church. What should every day look like? How should you guys interact with each other? And if you've read this before, you've probably just breezed by this, these two sentences. Being like, oh yeah, 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 that's Paul, that's the Bible, it's, it's nice. But let's actually look into it because I think we might have missed something. Because in this, two, these two sentences, I actually think we see the secret to erasing the divisions we see all around us. And so let's, let's read it. Romans 12, 10. One verse. Paul says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. See, it's easy. Right? It's simple. It's not that hard. Then why aren't we doing it? Well, let me convince you why we should do it. Be devoted to one another in love. Devoted in love. The Greek word there is Philadelphia. Philly. Right? We call it the city of brotherly love. Philadelphia. Brotherly love. It's actually deeper than that. It's more like a family love. A family tie there. Not just brotherly love, but the idea is that natural, instinctual love in a healthy family between parents and children. Think of the, if you're a parent, think of the way you love your child, that connection, that bond. Might be frayed now, but you, you know what that can be like, right? That's the type of love, type of devotion Paul is saying. Being devoted. What you're devoted to, what you spend most of your time, most of your energy, most of your thoughts, most of your resources on. That is devotion, right? What you spend all your stuff, all your energy 
on. And so Paul is telling Jesus' followers, this, this devotion is what a normal, typical church, a group of Jesus' followers, should look like. Devoted to each other like a mother is devoted to her child. The church should be the model of unity. If people looked up the word unity, it should say, well, it's, it's really hard to explain, but look at that group of Jesus followers. That is unity. That's what it should be. That's what Paul is saying. People should be lining up in droves to be part of a church. Even if they can't stomach the idea of a resurrected Jesus, which I know can be hard to, to wrap your mind around and, and to accept, people should be trying everything they can to get into a church because of how well Jesus followers treat people. But is that what we normally see? Is that what churches are usually known for being accepting and inviting and united and devoted to each other? See, I think if we're honest, we have to say that instead of be devoted to each other, the church really has acted like Paul said, hey, Jesus followers, be devoted to a political party. Be devoted to a country. Be devoted to a race. Be devoted to a culture. Be devoted to a certain theology or a certain denomination or a certain viewpoint. That's what you need to be devoted to. See, how we act, that's what it looks like. But here's, here's what Jesus actually said when he's talking about the church. A new command I give you, tolerate one another. Oh, no, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By how you vote. They'll know you're my disciples by your stance on abortion. They'll know you're my disciples by, you know, if you believe in creation over evolution. They'll know you're my disciples by, based on your view of sexuality. They'll know you're my disciples by what you choose to boycott together. They'll know you're my disciples because of all the Bible verses you've read and all the Bible verses you've memorized and how you can quote it and how you can argue any, any non-believer down. They'll know you're my disciple by making sure you have the exact right theology. No. They will know you're my disciple. They will know that you follow me if you love one another. That is the only requirement, that you love one another. That is what's supposed to make Jesus' followers different in how they love one another. Listen, get off of Facebook, come back. God cares more about how you treat people than how much of the Bible you know. God cares more about how you treat people than how you vote. God cares more about how you treat people than how right you are. God cares more about how you treat people than what rules you follow. How you treat people is more important than what you know. We don't always act that way, do we? Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, often we're more devoted to what we know and how we treat people. And if we are a Jesus follower, we call knowing a whole bunch being very spiritual. And I go, and I go to 
church in the morning, I go to church in the evening, I have this men's group, I have this small group, I, I go to this study, that study, so I can know more things. Jesus said, you didn't say, hey, you'll know, they'll know you're my disciple by you know, how many Bible studies you go to. See, often we go to all these things, if you're a Jesus follower, you go to all these things, you don't even have time to love one another. Because you're too busy studying and learning. Not that learning is bad. But there has to be more to it. There has to be a reason that you learn. A reason that you learn how to love. And Paul's saying if we truly want to be better together, if we really want to experience unity and have a healthy community, our devotion must be to each other above anything and everything else. We need to be committed to each other's care, caring for each other. Being willing to serve each other. Being willing to pray for each other. Being willing to cry with each other. Being willing to celebrate with each other. Being willing to identify with each other. Showing that we are with you and we are for you. I am with you. I am for you. So how do we actually do that. I mean, that's a nice lofty idea, right? Be devoted to each other in love. How do we do that? It's simple, but it's not easy. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love. How? By honoring one another above yourselves. The literal reading of that in the Greek is kind of the idea of go first in showing honor. In showing honor, be the first one to do it. Other translations say outdo each other in showing honor or surpass each other in showing honor. Almost this competition idea of try to be the first one to honor someone else. See, honoring creates devotion. When you honor somebody, you are creating this devotion to them. By honor, it means to respect them, to esteem them, or better, to celebrate them. Putting the needs of others before your own is honoring them above yourself. Giving others the best seat at the table, something my kids still need to learn. They fight every single meal, three times a day, they fight about who gets what seat. I am failing as a parent. Honoring means complimenting others in public. Even if they don't compliment you back. Honoring means helping them with a task that might not be in your job description. Honoring means being for them even, and maybe especially if, they don't deserve it. Doing good to your enemies. Somebody said something about that once. Abraham Lincoln was asked, hey, you know, why don't you destroy your enemies? And why don't you just annihilate them? He basically said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? You want to not have enemies? Love them. Make them your friends. Then you don't have enemies, do you? Following Jesus demands, if you're a Jesus follower, following Jesus demands that titles, positions, respect, Preferences, praise, are to be given. Titles, positions, respect, preferences, praise are to be given 
and not sought after and not fought for. For a Jesus follower, honor is meant to be given, never demanded. Always looking for ways to give honor. And if it's coming your way, even trying to deflect it sometimes. So a question for you. And whether you're a Jesus follower or not, like I said, you're still safe. You don't have to do anything. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, what are you devoted to? Who are you devoted to? Where is your devotion? What is getting the most of your time? What is getting the most of your energy? What is getting the most of your thoughts? The most of your resources? If you're married, what do you usually fight about? Trying to give each other honor? Usually it's, we're devoted to ourselves, right? Our comforts, our entertainments, our stuff, our image, our hobbies, our opinions. More devoted to our political opinion than we are to each other. Theological opinion. Here's another question for you. Aren't you loving this? Are you more devoted to your view or the people around you? You can be honest with you. Nobody hears what's going on inside your head. Okay? You're, I can't, you're like, man, it feels like he's talking right at me. I don't know you. Well, I might know you, but I don't know what's going on inside your head. Right? Are you more devoted to your view or the people around you? Do you fight to be right? Do you fight to be recognized, to be praised? Or do you go first? in showing honor, even if you feel like they don't deserve it. So I have some challenges for us. School started, so let's call it homework. Aren't you glad you came to Cross Creek, get some homework? First challenge, I think, is for everyone. It's an all play, if you will. But here's challenge number one I want to give to all of us. And I think it's going to change the internet. Are you ready? Challenge number one, once a day this week, you only have to do it for seven days, once a day, as publicly as possible, honor someone else. As publicly as possible, honor someone else. You can use your spouse twice, because then it just gets a little obvious. Okay? As publicly as possible. It could be social media. It could be when you're out with a group of friends or at work when you're in the meeting and that person who is just always getting at you actually did something well and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't see that, you actually bring attention to the good that they did, the good they bring to the team. Now, if we all did that, once a day as publicly as possible, honor someone else, wouldn't that totally change social media? Wouldn't that totally change those staff meetings you have to be in? Wouldn't that totally change your family, your marriage, your class. Now we'll take it a step further. See, this devotion that we're talking about doesn't just happen by us sitting in these rows and looking at the back of each other's head, right? It's hard to be devoted to somebody's thinning hairline. It doesn't just happen by accident. To truly honor someone, you have to know them and you have to serve them. 
So that's why we have connect groups here at Cross Creek. Connect groups where you, know, you can be known and you can know others. You can have time to share. Here's what's going on in my life. Oh, that, I, you know, I'm, I majored in that. I could help you with that. Or I have this resource that I could help you with. And then contributing. See, we have this process here at Cross Creek that we think that um, you know, following Jesus makes your life better. It makes you better at life. And so we have four steps in that process. The first step is discovering God's love. That's what this environment is all about, discovering God's love. And then we have connecting to his family. So you can get to know others. That's the connect groups. Then we have contributing to God's mission, which is joining a service team. See, you can't honor someone if you don't serve them. And so my challenge to you, if you are saying, you know what, Cross Creek, I think that's, that's where I want to be. Join a connect group and or a service team. Maybe you're not ready for that, and I totally get that. If you want to join a connect group or a service team, we have a card. It looks like uh, this in the seat in front of you called the connect card. You can fill that out if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm into that. But maybe you're like, you know, I'm still checking things out. Maybe I'm watching a line. I can't, I can't come. How about this? Here's your challenge. You can cross out the other one. Come back. Come back next week and see what this is all about. Or keep watching. Watch next week when we, when we post this message. Okay, now we're going to go a little bit deeper. You guys are still okay, right? Okay, challenge number three, homework number three. If you have decided to be a Jesus follower, if you've said at some point in your life, you personally have said, I want to follow Jesus, part of honoring each other is identifying with each other. Right? Saying, I am with you. Think of middle school and you had to go somewhere new, somewhere uncomfortable. How nice was it to have that friend say, hey, I'm with you. How horrible was it when they ditched you? And that was my experience. But somebody to say, I am with you. What a way to honor them. And really, that's the idea behind baptism. Right? This thing where, where you are dunked underwater and, and come up, where you, you die to your old life and you become new. You, you die to your old allegiances and now you are aligned, you are united, you are committed following Jesus and being in his family. He's saying, I am with you. That's why I love putting this ring on. See, it's, a, it's, a, it's made out of tungsten, and so it's heavy, so it's hard to sleep in. So I take it off every night so I can sleep. But every morning when I'm getting ready, I love putting this ring on because it's me basically saying, Liz, I am with you. We are in this together. I love going to the store and kind of being like, hey. You know? Especially if she's with me because, well, I like, to, I like to show off. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but that's kind of the idea of baptism, saying, Jesus, I am yours. Church, I am with you. Jesus followers, I'm one of you. I, am, I have your back. That's what baptism symbolizes. That's what baptism shows everyone. Identifying with Jesus and with his family. So if you're a Jesus follower and you have never by your own decision, identified with his family, your challenge this week might be to get baptized. And when I say, you know, by your own decision, I know some of us have been baptized when we were babies because that's, that's a tradition. But that doesn't show your commitment to the family, does it? That shows what your parents' commitment was. So maybe it's time to show your commitment and you choose to be baptized and say, I am in it with you. 
That's challenge number three, be baptized. If you want to be baptized, there's this card that I might have mentioned. You can fill it out and say, hey, I want to be baptized, and we can get you information. But think about it. Imagine what our country would be like if Jesus followers or not, we were devoted to each other more than we were devoted to our own personal views, more than we were devoted to our own preferences, more than we were devoted to our own political party. That would be a different country. That would be the country we're all saying we actually want. Well, maybe some of us should take that first step and actually put the money where our mouth is. Imagine what your marriage would be like if he were that devoted. No, if you were more devoted to each other than you were about being right or getting what you want. Work. Wouldn't work be different? If you were devoted to each other so much that a win was a win for everyone, no matter who actually brought it about, no matter who got the credit, a win was a win for everyone because you are devoted to each other. That would change work. It starts with us. We can be the change we want to see. Some famous guy said that once. It's on t-shirts. But we are better together. So love the who's next to you. A little bit of Dr. Seuss for you. We are better together. Love the who's next to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so simple, but so hard to do. So easy to say, yes, I am on board, I want to do that, and then get in the car and immediately be annoyed. So Father, I pray that you give, you give all of us the, the strength, the courage, the quick thinking to choose to be devoted to each other, to choose to be better together, to choose to be more together. Pray that you give us opportunities, resources, time, energy, to actually be devoted to each other. Thank you for being devoted to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So you have a chance to be better together. We got snacks out there for you. If there's any questions you have, fill out a card, but we would love to see you next week. Thanks for being here.